0: Welcome to Aiba Interviews. Larry Vallon is an icon in the world of live music. Over the last 50 years, generations of industry newcomers and countless future executives benefited from his mentoring and leadership. Ahead of his induction into Aiba's Hall of Fame, we sat down for this brief conversation. In the concert industry, what is your definition of taking a risk?
1: Well, I mean, uh, you, you, tr- you try to take a calculated risk and that you think when... When you're, guarant- you're 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 putting it's a mathematical equation where you're taking the uh, artist guarantee in in mind and the expenses of putting on a show if you're renting a building or if you're you know you're paying stage and your advertising and all all of those costs insurance etcetera catering it all stacks up, um, and you and you g- got to figure out if you charge this much money you know, and we, and we can do 5,000 people, you know, does that make sense? Because that's what we think the act can do. And so, th- so you, you sort of formulate that and figure out that equation and uh, take that leap of faith. And then sometimes, you know, you, you feel like that the, the guarantee that's being proffered or, you know, or they're asking you to do, Doesn't make sense, you know. We don't think the the act is big enough to sell that many tickets, and at that point, you got to, as Kenny Rogers once said, know when to fold them.
0: You created a beloved brand at the Universal Amphitheater. Was there anyone particularly helpful to you along the way?
1: Well, I got to tell you, we we uh, we had a uh, a chairman there, Lou Wasserman, who whose whose background. Besides all of his successes in in film, what um, had been an, an agent, and and he and his partner Jules Stein in Chicago, represented a lot of the big bands in the country. So he he had a lot to do with the design of the amphitheater, and and its acoustics, and its amenities, and dressing rooms, and all, you know every every square inch of it. He and his wife Edie picked the paint colors. I mean, he he was totally involved, and he became such a great mentor to me um, because of the fact that he had all this experience. It's it's like I I'd, I'd bring up and say uh, we had you know we had to cancel this show and say you know he says why'd you have to cancel um, the guy had a drug problem and he goes we had drug problems too, you know. So he was doing it in the 30s and 40s, and uh, we were doing it now. But he understood the business backwards and forwards. So I would give all the credit to the design of the Universal Amphitheater to to Lou Wasserman, the chairman of MCA Universal.
0: What was your involvement in the rise of the Latin music concert business?
1: Well, I guess one of the things I should, should, should uh, say is that I would grown up in Central and South America because my dad was a foreign service officer and I spoke Spanish. Still do. And uh, and I, I knew how big the, you know, Latin music scene was. It's just most of it was taking place at theaters in downtown L.A. And now I was tasked with filling nights at the Universal Amphitheater and, you know, making money. So I was awa- I was aware of some of some of these artists, and um, we decided to take a, take a test take a test drive, and we did that with an uh, an act named Jose Jose, and uh, lo and behold, we put him on sale, and the, the Latino audience just flocked to the amphitheater. They they were thrilled that he was there and stuff, and we had all the you know the great sound and lighting, et cetera. And we really you know raised the bar for how how these artists were being presented, and it just snowballed into you know all kinds of crazy stuff. One time I think we had a 12-show run of Julio Iglesias during the Olympics um, that that took place there, and Julio knocked it out of the park too. But so did many many other Latino artists, Mana, you know, any number of them. So it really became. You know, concerts in Espanol at Universal. How did
0: Spanish-speaking employees benefit audience members?
1: It it just made it easier for the the audience, for our employees, to be able to speak Spanish and answer in Spanish. But the other thing we found out is that Latino community in L.A. is pretty bilingual.
0: (laughs) How has the Latin music market changed over the years?
1: It's, it's gotten bigger and bigger and uh, I'm remiss in not n- mentioning uh, uh, my friend uh, Emily Simonich who was on, uh, you know, on board for all, all of this activity and uh, she, she really, you know, really helped, you know, move, move, move it forward. She had been uh, uh, working for the Universal Studio Tour doing Latin you know, tours in Spanish. But uh, I, I, you know, met her by chance over there and I said, boy, this is what we could use as some, somebody that, you know, really understands the, the, the uh, Latino community here in L.A. and all of that. So, yeah, we had a great time booking a lot of these artists. Tell us
0: about the Rolling Stones and Gordon Lightfoot concerts.
1: I was in charge of the Gordon Lightfoot uh, concert because my two bosses were engaged at the forum with the Rolling Stones uh, show. And uh, so I was sort of soloing for the first time. But I, Gor- Gordon is a great guy, great entertainer, and great singer. And uh, we just had a really smooth night with him at Santa Monica, sold out, profitable, all all that good news. So the show went off without a hitch and ended around 10 PM. So. That's when I sort of hit the parking lot, you know, jumped in my car. I lived in Malibu at the time, but then I thought, geez, Jim and Steve, have the, we've got the Rolling Stones at, uh, at, at uh, the Forum. Maybe I can catch a couple of songs, you know, uh, from, their, from you know, the end of their first show. So I think I'll drive over there. So I did. I drove over there and fortunately found a really good parking space, even though there was, there was a sold-out show going on there, and then people starting to arrive for the second show. They were playing two shows in one night. Now, sort of where the <laughs> the tr- the trouble begins <laughs> is they had the the the. Um, Forum had hosted a L.A. Kings game the night before, right. so there was ice on the floor, and the transition from ice to to putting chairs on the floor and t- taking the ice out and putting chairs on the floor was taking took longer than usual on that day. Exacerbating exacerbating the problem was the amount of support acts that they had going on before the Stones and um, one was a a young English act a guy named Terry Reed and then also B.B. King and then also Ike and Tina Turner and then the Stones. That's how it was supposed to run. So Chip Monk who was the Stones production manager and stuff had his hands full that day with kind of a lengthy load in because of the, uh, the transition from hockey to the flat floor. and uh, so that got a little delay. So there I was driving driving over to the forum with all of that going on, but no knowledge of it at the time. And so I parked the car and I you know walked walked down down the ramp to the backstage entrance and um, you know gave my name and boom cleared me, gave me a pass. and I walked in and I walked through the back door into the backstage of, of the forum. And as I opened the door, I found myself in, this is about close to 10.30 at night, I found myself in the lineup of the Rolling Stones getting ready to go on stage. I was sort of between Bill Wyman and Mick Jagger <laughs> and Keith on either side of me and I'm going, boy am I in the wrong place you know because I, I was flummoxed that they weren't on stage you know <laughs> at least you know why are they standing here well the, re- the reason they were standing was there is they were getting ready to go on for the first show because all, all of the aforementioned had taken place and taken much longer than was supposed to happen so that was kind of interesting so we we saw that 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 first show go and they were f- spectacular and everything and then for the second show Chip had to you know l- lose BB and Terry Reid I think just just Ike and Tina Turner played on the uh, second show and uh, and by the time the Stones got on it's somewhere around 3 a.m. 3.30 a.m. and, and uh, they finished at sunrise <laughs> So. That was a long, long night for the Rolling Stones in Los Angeles. Agents want to work with fewer
0: and fewer buyers.
1: Do you agree with this quote? Uh, it's a difficult question to answer. Um, uh, I, I'm sure there are some that obviously f- feel that way. And, but I, I also think that they're, they're looking for people that are knowledgeable about who their artist is or the genre of music and that 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 person understands how to market and, and where to find that audience to maximize the act and also to help it grow. So that would be my answer in that case.